Do you remember, uh, how long ago was it now, a year or so? Oh, uh, the BBC, probably more than that actually, they changed the way they presented the weather on television. They changed it to this new map. That's what it looked like when it first... Okay, really annoyed the Scottish because they were all small and in the distance. They had to change it a bit. And um, I think it was designed and sponsored by people who make travel sickness pills because the way it moves around and you're trying to concentrate. Do you remember what it was like before then? What the weather was like before then? It used to look a bit like that. Someone standing there, flat on map, symbols. Who remembers what the symbols meant? We're going to have a quiz. We're going to see who remembers what the symbols meant. Now you can call out, give it, give, the older ones give the younger ones a second or two first so that they can have a quick go if, you, if they remember. Who knows what that means? Yes, it's going to be sunny, well done. Okay, next one. And again, cloudy, yeah, heavy cloud, it's all black. At the back. Rain, yep, it's going to rain. Yeah? It's a real one, honestly, I haven't, made, I haven't mixed them. Yeah, sunshine, actually snow, sunshine and snow. Snow with sunny intervals. It was very tempting to make one up, but I didn't. What does that one mean? Nine degrees centigrade, yeah, Celsius. What about that one? Yeah. It's not actually snow. Snow's a bit fluffy. Hail, yeah. Hail or sleep, yep. No, it's not 20 degrees, that one. Wind speed, yeah. Now, who can tell me which direction the wind's in? Southwest. <laughs> yep. If the wind blows that way, it comes from the southwest. It's a southwesterly wind. And someone who sails gave us the right answer. Thank you. <laughs> yeah? Come on. Call it out. Snow. Snow, yes. That's the snow one. That's it. Who said that? I missed that. Two degrees below freezing. Well done. So it's cold. What about that one? Thunder. Thunderstorm. Yeah. A thunderstorm. Well, I think it sounds like a storm might be approaching. What do you do when you're getting ready for a storm? I need a volunteer to help me. Someone go. You want to come up? Really? What do you do when you're getting ready for a storm? It might be windy. Yeah? Right. Let's put staff on. Go. Okay. It might also rain. Shall we try a jacket? Here we go. It's a bit big. <laughs> It'll keep you dry. Want to try it? There we go. Oh, getting worse. Well done. 
In fact, if it's very wet, you might want Wellingtons. You want to stand a little bit away from the front in case you fall over. Okay then. Okay. You prepared. Right. Oh, hang on, hang on. Ooh. That was unexpected. Do you want to hold that? You haven't got any hands. They've gone. Okay, fully prepared, not quite fully prepared. It sounds like a really, really bad storm. We've got a life jacket here. Well done. Oh, I'm dry too. There we go. Completely prepared for the thunder. Actually, an umbrella with a metal tip might not be a good idea in a thunderstorm. But other than that, I think you're well prepared. The problem is, give her a round of applause. She looks really good. You can take it all off now. And you can have this. I'll just leave it here. Oh, there you go. Do you need lifting out of those boots? Are you okay? <laughs> you can have that as a thank you. It's a frisbee if you take it out. I'll just leave that there. We know how to prepare if we know a storm's coming. We know how to prepare for things that we know are coming, but uh, what about the storms in life that we don't know are coming? How do we prepare for those things that might hit us suddenly? Whatever it is, a sudden problem, something goes wrong. We lose someone close to us, maybe they move away, maybe worse. How do we get ready for that? The only way to really be ready for these things, you can't know they're coming, is to be close to God. Because God promised that he'd be with us, whatever happened. But the way to be ready is to be close to him now. Be close to him before it happens. Building up a relationship that will last. Let's pray. Lord, we pray for your help. We know we need to know you better. We know we need to be closer to you. So that we can be prepared for whatever's happening. Lord, help us know you more day by day. Help us grow closer to you, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. In fact, I've now introduced the theme for today. We're going to be talking about storms. God never promised us that there wouldn't be storms, that there wouldn't be problems. But he did promise us that he'd always be with us. Whatever happened, he would be there. I've got some bad news for you. This morning's talk is in four parts. The good news is that they're actually all quite short. The even better news is that you've had one already in the kids' talk, so we're on number two now. As I said before, we're looking at the storm. It's the Sea of Galilee, an inland lake really. 
it looks quite nice, it can be quite beautiful, quite serene, and we normally see it like that when we see photos, um, when we see pictures of it, and often when we imagine it. But storms can come, they can flare up on that lake. Things can turn very dark and very difficult. It's quite embarrassing, really, for the disciples, this storm. Most of them were fishermen. Most of them actually earned their living before they followed Jesus on this lake. That's where they fished. That's where they made their living. They knew all about it. They knew how to control it. They thought they had everything in hand. They were the professionals in this situation. Jesus, he's the teacher. He's the rabbi. He's having a kip in the back of the boat. They know what they're doing. They can handle it. But these situations can flare up suddenly. Everything can get out of control. They're frantic. They panic. Until eventually, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Have you ever prayed like that? In a situation? Maybe not drown, but... God, everything is falling apart. Don't you care? Don't you care about what's going on and what's happening to me? The important thing about this situation with the disciples was that Jesus was in the boat. He was there. He was close to him. And eventually they realised that they had to turn to him. Had they forgotten he was there? He was asleep, left alone. They might not have forgotten he was there, but they'd certainly forgotten who he was. They didn't really realise who he was. He showed them who he was. He got up. He saw the situation. And he stopped the storm. He just said, be quiet, calm down. And the storm stopped. And they were terrified. This man gets up. They've been on the lake for years. They know how it works. They know what these storms are like. They know how they last, how they end. They know all of that. And this man, who has been travelling with them, just gets up and talks to the weather and stops the storm. And they are terrified. I think they're partly terrified because they are beginning to realise who he is. You see, they might have been uneducated fishermen, but even uneducated fishermen knew the scriptures. They were brought up learning the Old Testament scriptures. Who is this, they say? I think they were beginning to get a picture. Psalm 107, verse 26. They mounted up, it's talking about people fishing, well, it's people in a boat anyway, in a ship. They mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths, that's the waves. In their peril, their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunken men. They were at their wits' end. Then they called out to the Lord. That's Lord, all in capitals, that's Jehovah, that's Yahweh, that's Lord God Almighty creator of heaven and earth. That's his name. They called to the Lord in their trouble. 
and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm and he guided them to their desired haven. They knew who could still the storms. God. They knew the scriptures said this. God could still a storm. Have you forgotten who's in the boat with you? In the storm. Who this Jesus we follow truly is. Was he asleep? Or was he just waiting for them to ask him? I must admit, I, I find it very difficult to imagine sleeping through a storm like that in one of those boats. You're probably getting soaked. Is he still sitting quietly, waiting? Waiting for you to hand the situation over to him? To speak to him in the storm? Is the prospect of him not responding worrying you? Or is the prospect of him actually acting terrifying? The power of God unleashed into whatever situation you're in. Sometimes he doesn't just stop the storm. He does it in other ways. He'll give you power to go through it. He'll guide you. He'll help you. He'll strengthen you. Sometimes he does stop it. His power might be terrifying, but his love, it's overwhelming. His love for you is overwhelming, for each one of us. Let's pray. Forgive us, Lord, when we forget who you are. When we forget who it is that we invited into our lives. When we let problems spiral out of control and don't turn to you. Help us turn to you. Remind us who you are, we pray. Give us the strength we need to hand situations to you, to hand control to you, to trust in you, almighty God. And Lord, there are those we can think of now who are, who are going through times when maybe it feels like a storm. Maybe there are problems that just they don't know how to cope with or, or just out of nowhere. We want to pray for them, Lord, just in a moment of silence. Or maybe for ourselves, just to bring these things to you and these people.
Please sit down. The Storm, part three. James says, do not merely listen to the word of God, to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Have you ever thought how hard that is with a parable? Has anyone ever tried to do a parable? I'm going to read you, I know we normally do this when the kids are in, but I am going to read you a story of a man who tried to do exactly that. Get the chair up, shall we? So, are you sitting comfortably? Good. Behold, there was a man who built his house upon a rock. When he had finished building the house upon a rock, he laughed, saying, Oh, how wise I am to build my house upon a rock. And how foolish is the man next door who built his house upon the sand. For it is written that when the rains descend and the floods come and the winds blow and beat upon these houses, the one founded on the rock will not fall, but great will be the fall of the house built upon the sand. Oh, <laughs> and so, laughing, the man who built his house upon a rock went into his house and locked the door. Now I will relax and wait for the storm warnings, he said, for my house is founded safe upon a rock. He did wait, and he waited, and he waited. Nothing happened. There was no rain, no flood. No wind, not even a mild drizzle. Hey, wait a minute, said the man who built his house upon a rock. There's supposed to be a big storm, and the house built upon the sand is supposed to fall down. Everybody knows that. So he watched the sky, hoping for a hurricane, or at least a major hailstorm, but there was nothing. Well, said the man, perplexed, I'm sure the storm will come along any minute now. In the meantime, that man who built his house upon the sand must be pretty nervous. I'll bet he's in a, having a terrible time in the flimsy little house of his. And chuckling smugly, he looked over at the house built upon the sand. He expected to see his neighbour pacing anxiously back and forth, worried about a storm. But the neighbour was smiling and laughing making sandcastles with his friends in front of the house. They all seemed to be having a wonderful time. This is outrageous, said the man who built his house upon a rock. Those people should be miserable, not happy. They should be begging for shelter in my house, hoping to escape the rain and the floods and the wind. He continued to listen, to listen to the weather reports, waiting for the storm to arrive but still the skies remain clear. One day, however, the man heard noises from next door. They were the noises of pounding and yelling. Aha, he said, at last the storm has come and my neighbour's house upon the sand is falling and great will be the fall of it. But when he rushed to the window, he discovered that his neighbour was turning the house upon the sand into a luxury beachfront resort. 
The neighbour was grinning from ear to ear, wearing an expensive suit, studying blueprints and directing work crews. Soon a fancy car drove up. A beautiful woman dressed in a mink coat got out and gave the neighbour a kiss. Where is that storm? bellowed the man who built his house upon a rock. The wise man built his house upon a rock, the foolish man built his house upon the sand, and the rains come and come tumbling down. Everybody knows that. Behold, the rains did come tumbling down, but they tumbled only on the house that had been built upon a rock. Not a drop fell on the house that had been built upon the sand. Why me? moaned the man who built his house upon a rock. My house may stand firm, but I have to patch the roof, clean the gutters, bail out the basement. What must my neighbour do? Nothing. And so it was in the months and years that followed. The man who built his house upon the sand got richer and richer, more and more successful, happier and happier. The man who built his house upon a rock patched the roof, cleaned the gutters and bailed out the basement. Finally, years and years after he had built his house upon a rock, the man threw up his hands. I give up, he said. I've waited and waited, watched the sky, patched and cleaned and bailed. A record rainfall has descended on my house and there's never been so much as a mist on my neighbours. Any fool can see that it's not going to be any storm. With that, he packed his suitcase and went next door to the luxury beachfront resort built upon the sand. If you can't beat them, he said, join them. That night, of course, the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon both those houses. The one built upon the sand fell and great was the fall of it. The other one fell not for it was founded upon a rock. Too bad nobody was home. Heavenly Father, thank you that we know we follow the one and only true God, the Lord Almighty. Maybe we do all the right things, Lord, Maybe we follow all the things we think we should. But there are times when we look around at those who don't follow or know you and it doesn't seem to make a difference. Sometimes we even envy them. Lord, renew our first love, we pray. Let us know your presence again. Let the reality of who you are be fresh in our lives. That it's not simply a religion that we follow, but a living God. More than doing the right things, we pray that we might know you more and more. Amen. Storm, part four, the final part.
this event took place a little while after the one we heard about that Sue read earlier, um, when Jesus was in the boat and the storm was swamping them. If you read Mark's Gospel, um, it actually happens a chapter or two later in the Gospel. I read it, we had it read from Matthew because it, it mentions Peter uh, and what he did, his little extravehicular um, walk. That's not mentioned in Mark. We're back on the Sea of Galilee. This time, Jesus isn't in the boat. He's outside of it. It doesn't say in so many words that there's a storm. But it does mention a high wind and the boat being buffeted by large waves. It's a difficult situation that they're in in the boat. And if they can see Jesus walking towards them on the water, presumably Jesus could see them. Jesus was watching them. He was watching the boat. He was following it. Maybe he's doing the same with your life at this moment. Maybe Jesus isn't in it. You really do need Jesus in the boat. He'll get in if you invite him. If you ask him, he'll step in. And again, this time, he shows the disciples who he really is. As I said before, they knew the Old Testament scriptures. The book of Job, Job says about God, he alone stretches out the heavens and treads on the waters, on the waves of the sea. He alone, God Almighty, who stretched out the heavens, who created the universe, he alone treads on the waves of the sea. They'd have known that. God alone walks on water. And they see Jesus, this man they're becoming to expect strange things of, walking on the water towards them, treading on the waves. No wonder they're frightened at first. And they worship him. They really do know who he is. They, it was forbidden for Jews to worship anyone but God. Not an idol, not a person, not an angel. There are times in the New Testament when people fall, and, and in the Old Testament actually, where people fall down to worship angels. And the angels say, no, you mustn't. You mustn't worship me. I'm just an angel. God is the one you should worship. Jesus accepts worship from people. He's God. He's either God or he's blaspheming God by doing that. And the disciples worshipped him. He's standing there, an oasis of calm in a storm at sea upon the water. Perhaps he stands before you too, just waiting for that invitation to step in. Maybe you already know him. Many of us do. Maybe like Peter, he's asking you to step out into something a bit frightening, a bit scary, out of the comfort zone into what looks like a storm where you couldn't possibly go. But he's encouraging you and he says, come, come.
Whatever it is, if he's calling you, if you take that step, he'll provide the ability to do it. There's no way Peter could walk on the water. He wasn't God. But Jesus helped him. Maybe it'll go wrong. Maybe it won't all work perfectly. It didn't for Peter. But Jesus was still there to catch him. He was still there to help him back. He didn't let him fail. Or at least fail completely, if you see what I mean. And wasn't it better? Can you imagine, even if it's just for a few seconds, to have walked on the sea towards Jesus, even if you failed at the end of that, to have stayed in the boat and never tried? That must have been an amazing experience. Can you imagine him telling his kids later that he actually stepped out over the boat, like, no, Dad, never, and walked on the waves towards Jesus? Whatever the circumstances, whatever your situation, it really does all revolve around Jesus. Let him in. Trust him. Turn to him. Follow him. Let's pray. Lord God, turn us to Jesus again, we pray. Turn us again to him, who he is. In our lives, revive us, we pray, that he might be our all in all. That everything else might take second place to him. However important, however great we think these other things are, that they may take second place to him. Help me in that, I pray. And we know that these things often are important, and he cares about them too. And when we put him first, Lord Jesus, when we put you first, you take care of these things as well. He told us to seek first the kingdom of heaven, and all these other things will be given to us as well. Thank you that you care. We pray for your Holy Spirit's presence with us. We pray for him to enable us to give you that place you deserve in our lives. That we might receive the things you have for us.